Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. There's rain. Kylo Ren is back in evil mask. Does he scare you as much as he scares me? Tuggy Skies, I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. So obviously we got some stuff to say about Rogue One, but we're going to go through the teeny tiny bit of news that I have first before we get there. Uh, how was your week, Brandon? Long. <laughs> a lot of car problems. Yeah. And me, cold. Yeah, me too. Fucking cold. Yeah, it, it hit 28 below here. Yeah. And then... Two days later on Monday, it was 35. No, it got up over 40. Did it really? Yeah. So it changed 65 degrees or more. Yeah. That's, and it's, but which is funny because you don't like think about it being that much warmer. But if you like went from like 35 degrees to 90 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) It would be, it would be pretty noticeable. It was definitely noticeable to me because. The day that it must have hit forty five, I was um, I was working as well as the day that it was twenty eight below. I was working. Me too. My boss insisted on giving me a jacket. <laughs> I had like a couple of hoodies and I was okay, but he like gave me a Carhartt jacket that he doesn't wear anymore because he apparently has tons and tons of jackets, and uh, it's great, dude. I really love it, but. You know, it, it warmed up a bit, but it is like the Stockholm syndrome in Montana because it's like when it is like 40 degrees, you're like, wow, it's really warm. And it's like, no, it's not, dude. It's just like <laughs> it was 28 below. So, <laughs> you know, like, ugh, just awful, yeah. awful fucking weather here. But anyway, <clears throat> so we'll start out with a little bit of DC news. So Ezra Miller was saying, he was talking about Justice League, and he said, Flash is Rango Star. He annoys everybody, but he doesn't have to have any specific beef with anybody. <laughs> <clears throat> which I thought was interesting, but that got me to think, like, which Justice League members would be the other members of the Beatles? And so if you have thoughts, you can chime in. But I sort of made my own list here off of things that I saw. So the first one I came up with was uh, Green Arrow. And I'm specifically talking about the Robin Hood looking Green Arrow. My Green Arrow. Yeah. (laughs) Arrow is not my arrow. (laughs) Much like Donald Trump is not my president, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, anyway. But um, 
So I said that that green arrow is John Lennon. Um, I think he's for peace and brotherhood, but he'll put the beat down on someone occasionally. And what I mean by that is like, if you don't know anything about John Lennon, totally abusive. <laughs> so people like to sort of code over that a lot of the time, but he beat his original wife and his kid. And there's a lot of documentation about that from himself, even like just talking about it in the press. Nobody did anything. Cause it was like the seventies, number one and number two is like, nobody wanted to think about the Beatles. Like, in that light, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those things people gloss over a lot. Uh, for Paul McCartney, I went with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Because both are known as being the heavy hitters of the group, but it's questionable as to whether they're the best or not. Like, there's always a debate, right? Um, also, like, they're both vegetarians. So <laughs> there's that... There's that connection too. A lot of people don't know Wonder Woman's a vegetarian. She and totally wings. Is. And <laughs> wings. <laughs> She's got the invisible jet. That's right. <laughs> All right, there you go. Put it out a little bit further. Uh, the question is George Harrison because both are enigmatic and they're both the forgotten members of the group. And I mean, I know George Harrison isn't forgotten, but they used to call him the forgotten beetle just because... You know, like Ringo had this like vicarious personality that people like to make fun of. And, you know, Paul and, and uh, John were obviously like the songwriters that got all the attention. So it's like George was sort of off off on his own, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then this one's a deep cut. Okay. <laughs> so Congorilla is like Pete Best because people forgot that they were ever in the group. And now they're just trivia questions. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> the the amount of ju- like hardcore Justice League fans who know about Congorilla is probably the same amount of people who know about Pete Best. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. <clears throat> anyway, so that's all I really had on that. Did you have any anything you wanted to add to that? Pick it apart? Disagree? I realize I'm I was thinking about uh, John Lennon. And my first thought was almost Superman. Okay. Why is that? Um, kind of like the outspoken leader of the group. Okay. And of course you could argue between Batman and Superman, which one would be the leader. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I really thought about like trying to work in Superman or Batman into this list. But when I started to really think about like how the Beatles acted, I was like, I don't think either of them really fit the bill. Like they yeah. kind of have their own thing. <clears throat> if you're going to make like a boy scout kind of Beatle, maybe you could make a case. Superman is like George or uh, Paul McCartney. Like yeah. I would almost go that way with it, but it does fall apart when you start to like look at it a little bit closer. I just don't think Superman is very Beatle-like. No. <laughs> Batman just doesn't match any of the Beatles. No. <laughs> like if he matched somebody, it would be like maybe Neil Young or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, just like aloof and on his own and he will team up, but he's still doing his own thing. <laughs> he's... He's just sort of pulling in everybody else to do the thing that he thought He'd of. Sort of more like a Robert Plant. 
<laughs> yeah. He sure. teams up in his later years. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, a little bit more of uh, nerd news here, and then we'll just hit Rogue One, most likely. Uh, Ragnarok director Takey what? God, I'm going to fuck up this name. Okay. Takei Watiti? I don't know. I don't know how you say it, how you say their name, but um, <clears throat> basically said that part of Ragnarok takes place on Sakaar, which is the planet where Planet Hulk takes place on. So I think we're getting like a full-on Planet Hulk storyline in this movie. I think that pretty much seals it right there. That would be great. Yeah, like we got the insect guy <laughs> is definitely part of the movie. Like that's been confirmed and the planet is confirmed. So I just don't see how this isn't like partly Planet Hulk, which makes sense when you think about way back a couple of years ago, we were talking about um, <clears throat> like the Latino Review reported something that they were developing Planet Hulk and Mark Ruffalo. Well, no, not Mark Ruffalo, but somebody else in Marvel was saying like, well, I think Mark Ruffalo would have a problem with that because he would have to motion capture his entire performance. Like he wouldn't be able to do any kind of speaking or anything really. It was like that made sense to me. I was like, okay, so that's not a thing. But this makes sense. Like they were developing a tiny part of it, but they were working into like, you know, a different movie. Yeah. So they weren't making a Planet Hulk movie per se, but they were grabbing elements. So it would seem like that's confirmed now, but just not on the scale that they were reporting, right? <clears throat> and I think that's probably a good good mix. Yeah, and because of that, I had sort of like, they had had it confirmed and had all these sources and stuff, and then it turned out not to be true. So I'd stopped looking at the Latino review because I'm just like, I don't need rumors reported as like news yeah you know what i mean like I, I that's that's when you lose me like i'm fine if you say there's a rumor but if you don't say rumor it irritates me but that that led me to go back to their site today and sort of look around and like there was nothing else to talk about because <laughs> i do have a hard and fast rule i'm not going to talk about anything that doesn't interest me and there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't interest me that's in the news right now and it's because everything is rogue one like rogue one came out this week and i'm not complaining i love rogue one but everything is revolved around rogue one so and rogue one did pretty well this week i gotta say yeah um at 84 on rotten tomatoes pretty good for a temple movie it's actually really good for a temple movie like being in the 80s that's a bit of an accomplishment. I think there's really only one other temple movie that made it, and that was Civil War. So, you know, rarefied air. Yeah. Rarefied air. <laughs> uh, it, it had a $200 million production budget. It went 100 so far. This isn't the weekend. This is just so far. It's $173 million grossing domestic and $323 million worldwide so far. So... They're very close to making double back their budget. Like they're the, pushing triple their budget already. Well, no, no, no. Uh, three hundred seventy-three or three hundred twenty-three million worldwide. That's including the domestic budget. Okay. So, um, I didn't do the math to pull it out because <laughs> that's just like extra time, man. I'm busy like reading about Rogue One. I don't have time to do math. We don't need no math here. Yeah, don't need no math. This here. is Trump's America. We don't do math. That's right. That's too close to that science shit. 
Yeah, and science and facts, they're all just in the eye of the beholder, right? <laughs> like, I looked at Breitbart for these numbers, so excuse me. <laughs> no, I'm not a white supremacist. <laughs> I prefer the term alt-left. Alt-right. Sorry about that. Okay, so let's just let's let's dive into Rogue One. All here. right, so spoilers. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna put it out. Like most likely, that's gonna be the rest of the podcast. So if you're worried about it being spoiled, probably turn this off. But should we get into weird derivations that have nothing to do with Rogue One, of which we commonly do? <laughs> Um, I will denote a time in the notes so that you can skip ahead to it. But if you haven't watched it yet and you're worried about it being spoiled, I would probably just turn off the podcast right now and come back to it after you watch the movie. You know, we go do. watch the movie. I highly recommend it. Yeah, we do this from time to time. You know, and this Star Wars movie merits a lot of talk. Like, you know, this is our entire lives that we've been watching Star yeah. Wars. So it's like we're gonna talk a lot about Star Wars. So just I'm I'm sure you're aware. Like anybody who's been with us since Force Awakens came out, I'm <laughs> I'm sure is aware that we can talk a lot of Star Wars. So that's exactly what we're gonna do. So what was your impression of the movie like overall? It was a good war movie. Yeah, you know it because watching it and you and I both watched it twice together <laughs> twice yeah so i mean looking at it it reminded me a lot of two movies the bridge over the river kwai and okay. the dirty dozen yeah fair enough i thought of the great escape not for the escape sort of aspect of it but because of the end where like pretty much nobody makes it out i think like one character makes it out of the great escape but. yeah um so that was what i thought but yeah like definitely like an older war movie where they were just like fine killing off characters you know if it served the story um really quick just doubling back to what you're saying so when we went to the movie so you know i talked earlier about how i bought a ticket in advance to make sure that i could see the movie uh without getting it spoiled for me which by the way totally would have happened like there's some people on my facebook feed definitely giving away stuff so um like uh that movie i went to and we sat down and we were joking that we were probably close to each other I literally was sitting in front of your wife, who's the <laughs> one who always notices when I'm at the same movie. So, like, I, I went and sat down, and then your wife was, like, literally writing back at me. <laughs> she kicked the chair a couple of times just to fuck with me before the movie started. And then, of course, I had a moment where I realized, like, I was so tired because I had gotten up at 6 in the morning, and it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had car problems and had to, like jump through all these hoops to make the movie and i forgot to grab 3d glasses so it suddenly goes to 3d and i'm like uh and i like stiffen up really quick and then i realize it's pirates of the caribbean trailer and i'm like well fuck that i don't give a shit about that so got up and like ran to grab my 3d glasses but like sit sat next to me was the biggest two people in hell and I think like, like I'm a big guy. I'm pretty myself. sure the third biggest one sat next to me like originally. <laughs> That's what you're it's saying. funny. Cause there was like 
me and then like two seats down was an, another guy because there was like three random people sitting next to each other and then like the guy in the middle like was as big as the other two of us combined oh and he's like you know nobody's sitting in front i'm gonna just go move down or not <laughs> yeah yeah and, and both of us kind of gave each other to look like thank god well, and I got to say, I'm pretty sure that, like, most of the seats ahead of me were sold when I bought the tickets, but a lot of them were empty, and it was because that was that 28 below day we yeah, were talking about. Yeah, it was so about. cold. Like, I had car problems, and then uh, I wound up, like, I had viruses on my computer, and I had to edit the Alien Movie Project, which is why that was late coming out last week. It's because I had to go through four virus protectors before I found one that would take all the shit off my computer. So it was like I, I jumped through so many like horrible hoops before I went into like Rogue One and I was just exhausted. But um and then I sat down and then next to me, like to my right, is like this dude who is like like I'm Biggs, right? Like I got the nickname Biggs, not just because my last name is small, but also because I'm a pretty big dude. There was like a dude who like looked like he could have eaten two of me, like <laughs> sitting to my right. And so I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I have like no space on my right side. So I like leaned hard to the left before the next person came over and put my drink in the drink holder and stuff. Cause I'm just like, I need this space. Whoever like comes in next to me is gonna have to deal with it. And uh, the next dude who came out with me wasn't bigger than the guy to my right, but it was like he had ate two of me. <laughs> so he was pretty big. And so he leaned pretty hard to his left, too. And I was very relieved to find out he was still leaning to his left when I came back from getting my 3D glasses. <laughs> that's that's the circumstance I was watching the movie in the first time. Then the second time, um, my wife, or not my wife, but my mom, wasn't able to make it down to Helena. She was going to come down for Christmas, but she's having car problems. So I had an extra ticket. So I saw you at the movie, and I was like, if any of you guys want a ticket. And uh, Jesse like, looked at your daughter Shannon right away, who is like the biggest Star Wars fan maybe ever. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, if you want it, Shannon. So I was kind of throwing out the offer, but you wound up coming. So Yeah, she was with her friends and was headed down to Three Forks when... I went to the movie, so not important. Yeah, but it's fine. Like, so I got to sit. And next she ended to it. up watching it today again, anyway. So, and what was fun about that was occasionally we got to whisper things to each other because <laughs> we'd already seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of fun. We were both in the same position, which is like you watch it the first time, you're just taking it in the movie, and then the second time, you're like watching it way closer for all the little stuff. You watch it way see it. When I watch a movie like that for the second time, there's two things I do. One is, like, have fun with the movie. Like, I leaned over to you, like, one part, like, where they attack the tank, and I'm like, Wolverine! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. (laughs) And just picking up stuff that I didn't see the first time. By the way, I was seeing some sort of tweet that somebody put out that was something about how um, they were saying something about how uh, audience member says, I really like Rogue One. It's a great escape, says person living in Red Dawn. (laughs) It's a Donald Trump. (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought that was pretty clever. But, uh, so I got to ask you, because going up to this movie, there was a lot of uh, the alt-right like, people that were boycotting Rogue One. Oh, yeah. I didn't really read up on that. So what? Because a woman was in the league? Because there was a Muslim character? Like, Because it was anti-fascist <laughs> god forbid so what, what was your question did you see much stuff that seemed objectionable that way or i against the alt-right yeah no um i i do feel like it was anti-political for the most part but if you wanted to dig into it and say that there was politics within it it's almost like Okay, if you want to like turn a political message into it, I would say that maybe that political message would almost be Donald Trump leaning just in that like, like if there's a lesson to be learned from the movie, it's for the empire, which is like, hold on to your data. (laughs) Don't let the Russians take it. If if yeah, if they take your data, it's all over. (laughs) Maybe it's like a cautionary tale for Hillary, right? If you did like take a political message from it, but I don't know. Like I, like I say this, I know I'm just like, after watching it twice, I think this boycott's pretty unfounded, but yeah, it always is dude. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Like they were mad that there's a black guy and a woman in the lead of star Wars. (sighs) Like that was really, that was really like the big one that we railed against last year. And now it's just like, I started to see whispers of that in like a headline. I just fucking tuned it out and didn't read it. Cause I'm just like, I don't give a shit what they say. It's going to be the same thing. Like, it's not like it's a new message. You know what I mean? It's just going to be like, Oh, Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Probably throw out Jews a few times or whatever. Like I just, I don't even want to hear it. Like I, I know where they're coming from and I don't care for their point of view. And it's not that I won't read other point of views, but that one to me is just so ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> that it's like I don't even want to waste my time with it. But what were you, what were you coming across? Was there anything that stuck out for you? Well, I know that because they had this boycott, and then the uh, one of the writers of Rogue One put out a tweet against or was denouncing this- the boycott, and it was if your problem is uh, with Rogue One is that how was that it was something about if your problem with building an empire based off fascism is your problem rogue one's not the problem (laughs) (laughs) well put i mean it's pretty well put right to the point yeah it's just like there's always going to be like people have problems with this stuff and like star Wars is getting more inclusive and people are going to have a problem with it. Fuck it. They don't need your money. They really don't need your money because they're going to get everybody else's money. You know, it's always been that star Wars has been an, basically an allegory for the rise of world war two. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. (laughs) Like uh, the original trilogy, the original trilogy and even the prequels leading up to it. Yeah. Because basically how the, you know, in episode one where they disbanded the Senate and all that basically is what happened to Germany leading up to Hitler's reign. Yeah, I could see that. 
Um, so, you know, if but the nice thing about these ones is they don't have people like Jar Jar, like not just for being annoying, but for being a, like a horrible racial stereotype or uh, uh, what's his face? Watto. Oh, like a Watto. Horrible, yeah. Horrible Jewish stereotype. I mean, I'm sure there's ones in there, and it'll break my heart when I hear Aaron Donaldson talk about it at some point. Like I was, I was talking back and forth with Aaron from the Alien Movie Project, and he hasn't seen Rogue One yet. But he was like, "I was like, have you seen Rogue One?" He's like, "No." And I was like, "I just went and saw it twice." I was like, "He goes, what did you think?" And I said, "Solid war movie, really good." you're going to have things to say. Because <laughs> I just like, like at first I was like, oh, Aaron's going to like this or that or that. And like the things I thought about, I would, I'm pretty sure I would be accurate on. But then I like took off the rose colored glasses and I'm like, yeah, he's going to be pissed about the militarism in this movie. <laughs> like it's definitely a very militaristic movie. Very militaristic. Which we can get into in a little bit. But like they definitely spend a lot of time you know what I you know what I thought the strongest point of this movie was the fact that it like didn't okay so there's still it's still going to be problematic as Aaron would say but I think that they spent some time really working on the idea like how we always framed the empire is like just this evil thing and the rebellion is this purely good thing yeah and, and they it, definitely didn't they, they humanized that, it a little bit they did because you have one member of the empire who is like actively working against the empire in secret even though he's helping them yeah i mean there was the the espionage that went on and then you know the defection from the the pilot the defected Yes, yeah, there was a pilot who defected over to the the rebellion, but I would say like they also shaded the rebellion as darker than any of the other movies because yeah. because you have characters in there which we'll get into it when we talk about the characters a little bit, but you have characters in there who definitely like have shady past and like have done things that they're not proud of for the rebellion, like the horrible things. And, and that's where I got a lot of the dirty dozen Mm-hmm. homage to yeah and it's like and that's that i think is like a really good thing that they put into there because it is a war movie but they're like sometimes in war horrible things happen and you do even the good things. guys do horrible things yeah and it's i i do think that's something that is a good thing to put into star wars movies Maybe not because maybe it normalizes it or whatever, but I also think it like gives a more realistic view when you're looking at at your own situation. Like, I know people who go, who have been in the military, and it's just like they've had they have to do shit that haunts them at night, and that is the reality of it. Like, they know on one level that they have to do it, but on an, another level, they're just like, they have a really hard time living with themselves doing it. Yeah. And so I like that that was represented in the movie. Like, it, it just adds a little more realism to a not realistic <laughs> universe, right? I mean, yeah. so I appreciated that. Um, But going back to the big picture a little bit here. So, how many tentpole movies have you seen, maybe ever, that just like killed off all the main characters? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Not many. Because <laughs> this movie, I believe, maybe I'm not thinking of one, but I think killed off every main character. Even like every main villain. Like, I mean, sure, you can make the, a case for Vader or whatever. There's but Vader, like Vader and but, Tarkin are probably the only two. But they're not the main villains. Like, the main villain... Would be Kranich. Yeah, it's Kranich. And Kranich is dead by the end of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and we know Tarkin's going to bite it as soon as Star Wars happens. Yeah, he he dies with his death star and we know darth vader's gonna bite it because he bites it in return of the jedi right so (laughs) every villain is killed (laughs) just two of them were eventually killed (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like all of the protagonists in this movie definitely are yeah do you remember what i said before we walked in i said it on the podcast before but do you remember what i said to you guys before i walked in I said I'm really excited at the prospect that all of the or like any of these characters could die at any minute. <laughs> like I I genuinely was because that was an exciting thing to me. I don't remember going to a big movie for a long time where it's like where I felt like the characters were in real jeopardy, right? And like I love Marvel movies and I love Marvel comics, but like those characters Those characters are never in jeopardy. No, not really. I mean, like, and if one of them dies, it's like, it's comic Are they books, dead? So, right, exactly. <laughs> Are they dead? But this movie, like, actually had the balls and they kill off everybody. And they do it in a smart way, right? Like, K2SO, who, for my money, was the MVP of this. Oh, he was so good. Yeah, so he's an Imperial droid who's reprogrammed. And... uh and because of the reprogramming, he just says whatever pops into his brain or his circuits. Circuits, yeah, without filtering it whatsoever. So he just like says like brutal <laughs> shit and does brutal shit all the time. And it's really, really funny. Like for my money, best droid we've been introduced to in the Definitely. Star Wars universe. The only ones I like better, well, the only one I like better is a deep cut, which is C3PO in the comics. He's not C-3PO. I don't remember what... I think it's like Triple O is his name. But he's like basically a serial killer version of the C-3PO robot who has like guns and knives and all these torture (laughs) devices put into him. (laughs) And he works for Darth Vader. (laughs) Like He's part of this like program where they, uh, they basically booted up all these droids that were made a long time ago and outlawed by the old Republic. And so Darth Vader like tracked down like two of them, which are like a fucking serial killer, like C3PO and R2D2 basically. (laughs) And like, and uses them. And it's, it's hilarious watching them, but like K2SO for like the movies for sure. Like best droid I've ever seen. Like so funny. Like he is like, he brings light to, every situation he's in yeah and it's just like and it's needed in this movie because they go dark a lot in this movie uh but and I, did I, you know who did the voices k2so you know i heard the name but i don't remember he's steve the pirate and what dodgeball oh okay <laughs> like oh, I, it's that guy okay <laughs> 
I couldn't tell you his name, but he's Steve the Pirate. Yeah, when you he will me, always be Steve the Pirate. When you told me Steve the Pirate, I was like, I have no idea who that is. But once you said Dodgeball, I remembered. <laughs> There's like no character in Dodgeball that you could throw out the name for, and I'm gonna know who he is immediately. <laughs> like even Ben Stiller, I'm gonna call Ben Stiller, and he was the most memorable character in that movie. Followed closely by ripped horns. <laughs> like, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a dodgeball. <laughs> he flings a do- like a you wrench. You can dodge traffic, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move through the characters a little bit more. Sharu uh, Enwi, I think the, the characters' names are hard to, to remember, but I, I wrote some of Chirrut? them down. Here. Yeah, so that was the dude who's like, I am the force of forces with me. I oh, force yeah. force of forces with me. So this is the guy you saw in the commercials, if you haven't seen the movie yet, which, once again... That you, I was I don't know speculating was being a Jedi. Yeah. But to be fair, he was working at the Jedi Temple. Yeah, I think he's force-sensitive. I don't think he's a Jedi. He's yes. definitely not a Jedi, but No, I think but he was a protector of the Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then his brother, Baze Malbus. They're a great team, dude. They're so Oh, that fun. guy was awesome. It's kind of, it's weird. They're, so those guys are supposed to be brothers? Yes. Yeah, they're supposed to be brothers. Because one's Asian and one looks Polynesian. Well, you know, <laughs> it's Hollywood. But yeah, they're supposed to be brothers. And and, uh, and so basically, like, Sharud's the one who has the staff who's like, you know, like flinging it everywhere and just fucking demolishes a ton of stormtroopers. It's really awesome when they introduce him. And then Baze is the one who has, he's got like a backpack that hooks up to this gun and he's just like this fucking great shot and just clears out anybody who's a threat once uh, Shalute or Sharut can't quite handle everybody. Yeah. You know, like he picks off. Whatever one's left, and Sharut believes in the Force, and Baze does not. Yeah, and they actually got into a little bit that uh, Baze was actually a more devout follower of the Force, but somehow lost his way. Oh, yeah, somehow I missed that. But It was just a real, real quick dialogue thing I picked up. But he definitely, like, sort of regains his faith at the end. Um, but I, like, they were great. They're kind of one note characters, but it's a magnificent They're really entertaining. Note. Yeah. Like I said, they're a lot, this movie reminded me so much of the Dirty Dozen where they're great characters and you're really rude for them, but you know, they're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's, what's great about it is like, they really do get like, did you, did you feel sad at the end of the movie that everybody died? No. See, I didn't either, and part of that is because they really spend the entire movie preparing like, you to to know that these people are fucked. Yeah. But, like, I appreciate it because it's like you you appreciate their sacrifice. But at least they, the like, end, gave but. you a glimpse into their world or, like, who they are and gave you some – at least give you something that, you know, you want at least, like, root for this guy to push forward the story so much more yeah uh cassian is another character is in it so he's he's basically the only one in our group who's like firmly in the rebels right 
And so he's the one we were touching on earlier, talking about how like he's done things for the rebellion that he's just like he's straight up ashamed of. Yeah, you know, um, at the very beginning, his opening scene—it's such a like Han Solo scene before they deballed it, which like good on them for doing this and doing it this way. But um, he has a snitch basically come up to him and gives him some information about the Empire. But then the stormtroopers are kind of running up, and it becomes very clear very quickly that he probably can't trust this dude. So he just shoots him in the back immediately without like hesitating. And then runs off, and it's like it is like a Han shooting Greedo sort of moment before they added the extra shot into it. Yeah, you know what was really interesting about Cassian, and I kind of alluded to this as when I was talking about Star Wars being an allegory for World War II. Um, <laughs> and he, he reminded me of a French resistance fighter. That was exactly what I was gonna say because he had like. A French accent, and it did remind me of, like, the, the French And you know what really sold it? Because there was a line when they are all getting ready to go up where they said, uh, the force is with us, which is rhyming and syllabically uh, the same as Viva La, Viva La Resistance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Forces with us, Viva La Resistance. It's not an exact rhyme, but it's a kind of rhyme I would have thrown into one of my songs because I realized <laughs> well, at a I mean, point, it's, it's if you're close, very similar. Yeah. No, if you're close, it's good enough. And, like, if you look at the really great songwriters, they totally believe in, like, if it's close, it's good enough. Poets, not necessarily because it's on the page, so you have to, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to, like realize that people are gonna like physically like look at it and be like no dude what are you writing those words for but if the song lyric shit don't matter (laughs) anyway uh yeah and i really like that character too because once again uh he's just like I, i love that like he has that checkered past but he's with this organization that we have like accepted are the good guys in these movies and yet they're called terrorists and you see through his actions yeah they're fucking terrorists and he was basically told to straight up assassinate somebody yeah yeah that's his whole thing is that he's gonna assassinate the father of of our protagonist in the movie and he doesn't but he does some fucking. He had him in the crosshairs. Yeah, and I don't know that he wasn't necessarily going to assassinate that person. I think like he was waiting to, for the meeting to clear out a little bit, and it didn't. We don't know. Like it's ambiguous, but I I have a feeling he was still going to kill that person if he had had a chance. And Jen Urso kind of calls him on it. Yeah. But um, moving through the characters a little bit before we really get to Jen Urso, uh, we also have so. Bodhi Rock is the Empire pilot you were talking about. Or Rook, sorry. Bodhi Rook, I think, is the Empire pilot you were talking about who defected over. Um, that's So the guy who played him is Riz Ahmed. He plays the main character in the Night Of, that show I was telling you about that like is so fucking good. Like It's like a crime show that um, just plays on a lot of weird levels. Uh like a like a meta level and then it like really talks about like the 
the crime system or like the justice system and shows you like every little crack and things you don't think about um talks about just like how if you go into prison you're not going to be okay when you come out of prison like that was the hugest thing i took away from watching that show is like that will change you and it's not going to be all right when you're out like you're just like a changed person but he was in that movie and or that mini series and fucking knocked it out of the park and so when he was in this apparently his character didn't even have a name like just had a very very passing part and as they were like before they filmed it they realized how good he was and so they actually like gave him like gave him a character and gave him things to do in that movie like that was written in the last pass of the script and put a little more into rewrites because he was so good in it. They were just like, we got to give him more. And like his bug eyes, dude. Like he has the <laughs> biggest eyes, but they're so expressive. You know what was funny? Because he totally reminded me of Doc Brown and Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, he even like, had like the, same, like the same look on his face. He had the goggles on his head. And when he's pulling the cable and it's stuck, was straight out of Back to the Future. Yeah, okay. I could see that. But he's like, and that's another guy. That's another like redemption through line, right? Because he's with the Empire. And he, I sort of missed it on the first run through, but because I was paying way more attention on the second one, it was like, okay, his whole thing is that he's like ashamed of what's happened with the Empire. And this was his chance to redeem himself to like deliver something and help out the rebellion somehow. He doesn't know what he's doing. But he, he knows he was told it would help the rebellion, so he goes and takes a chance and rolls the dice to do it. And uh, I really like his character too. I mean, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Like those two characters are coming at it from different places, but they both want the same thing, right? Which is just like to have their souls redeemed and to have the empire go down, which they totally do eventually. <laughs> We just, you know, there's three episodes to sit through first. And it's a joy sitting through the episodes. <laughs> the good episodes. Yeah. Um, okay. And then there's Jen Urso, who's, of course, the protagonist in this and the last member of the main group here. Um, so they give they give a little bit of backstory for her at the beginning, which is... Instead of a title crawl. <laughs> yeah. Instead of a title crawl. Well... And I don't remember if I broached this on the podcast or not, but they said they're not going to do title crawl, title crawls for any of the standalone movies. They're yeah. just going to do it for the uh, for the epic ones, which like I'm fine either way. Like you I know, feel like it's not something you had to do because literally every Star Wars cartoon or show would do the title crawl that way. Just because it's a Star Wars thing. So I feel like it's established that they do it. But it's Disney's world. If they don't want to do a title crawl, whatever. You know, I, I was just reading an article. that they were. T- it was on the Empire podcast. And they. I was reading part of it. And they had um, one of the executives. And they were saying that they actually were, after watching it, really regretting not doing the title, the crawl. title crawl, because it's so iconic to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I like to me, it's not a huge deal, but like, it does seem like it was like 
it, it it seemed like it was it, unnecessary to not include one. Does that make sense? Like it's it's something that they could have done really quick, and it one of you know they anything. didn't need to go as in depth as they do with the main saga stories. Three paragraphs. That's all you have to do. That's what it always is. It's yeah. like three paragraphs. You just come up with three paragraphs. You could have given like. Uh, okay, so the thing is, is. And, and it was just the because it was kind of jarring not having that and going straight into the story yeah, or her backstory anyway. It wasn't jarring for me, but it's only like this is the same thing as when I was talking about Prometheus with Aaron, how like it wasn't jarring to me that it didn't really tie in with aliens that much. Just because I'd read there wasn't going to be a title crawl, I was like prepared for there not to be a title crawl. Like, part of me was, like, bracing, waiting for people to boo when there wasn't a title crawl. (laughs) I don't know why, but I was like, maybe people are going to revolt in the theater, like, the little nerdy part of me. But uh, it it, it didn't matter to me that much, but I will say they could have served the movie a wee bit better if they'd had a title crawl. What I mean is, like, Jen Erso, you get her beginnings as a kid, and you see her with her dad, and... Basically, Mads Mikkelsen's character, I, I, I can't remember his name. Galen. Galen, right. Galen Urso. And he's the one who develops the Death Star reluctantly and puts a little plan into it to have the, the Death Star blow up. That's basically the plot of the movie, right? But you give her her motivation for turning to the Rebellion in that opening scene, right? Which that motivation is essentially... He like, like her her father is presumed dead or working for the empire, and so when she's talking with him, all of a sudden she cares about this. Makes sense, right? But with the title crawl, what you could have done is cover a period that what may have been cut from the film because we talked about the reshoots, and I've read more and more. Forty percent of this movie was reshoot. Yeah, and um, and so when you talk about the parts that are reshot, they might have taken out a lot of Jen Erso's backstory because there was like part of a trailer that a lot of a trailer that wasn't in there, and they're talking about how Jen Erso like they go through this whole laundry list of all the shit that like she's done against the Empire, right? Like all the criminal stuff that she's done It's almost like they're giving her a mission, right? And that is completely absent from it. So what we get instead is she's sprung from a prison, but we don't know what she's done. We know that she's with this other radical Saw Guerrera who's like kind has a loose alliance with the rebels. He's, like he's basically the extremist wing of the rebels, yes. right? Is what they're trying to say. Although we don't see a lot of it, but that's that's what they're trying to say. But with Jen Erso, what you could have done is explain why she doesn't give a shit about anything political before she sees a hologram of her father turning her. You know what I mean? Like, something happened that turned her off. Like, we know Saw, who's played by Forrest Whitaker in Spectacular in this movie. <laughs> like, he's all wheezy. He's like the good Darth Vader, right? Got, like, metal legs yeah. and, like have some gas from time to time <laughs> but um we know that he left her at a certain point and it was to protect her 
from all the other members of his group because he was worried that they'd use her as a hostage with the empire because it was her fault because she's her father's daughter. Right. So they could have explained what happened from that point to the beginning of the movie that just turned her off of giving a shit about anything. Cause you would think if anything that would like steal her to being in the rebellion still, right? Like just join yeah. the other wing of the rebellion and it does, not only does it not happen, but she's apathetic to it happening. So there was some some sort of turn there that wasn't represented. You could have like covered that in the crawl, like very easily. Because what do you talk about in the crawl? Like we know about stuff in the prequels. Like you could go vague, but why not just concentrate on Jen Erso and just talk about the little bit of her backstory and what led her to the prison, and then open up in the prison, you know? So I. That that's the one thing I'll say about the crawl, like where it, I I do think it could have served the movie better to have the crawl to just give that because the genius of the crawl, it's not just iconic like you said, but it gives you like exposition that you don't have to awkwardly work into the movie. Yeah, and that's like a useful tool. It <laughs> really is. Like you get a bunch of stuff. Like, in fact, I would say maybe for Phantom Menace wouldn't have been nearly as shitty of a movie if, like, George Lucas had just, like, expanded the crawl from three paragraphs to six paragraphs and given us all the boring space C-SPAN shit, <laughs> you know, instead of, like, having to live through it in the beginning. Like, it it would have been a better movie, I feel like. But yeah. Anyway, do uh, you have any thoughts on that or, like, anything? What would you think of Jen Erso? Um, she was probably one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Okay. In fact, the scene where her father dies, I thought was the worst scene in the movie. It just bought that scene bothered <laughs> me so much. That was your. Li- Why was that li- your least favorite thing? You clearly thought about this. You know what really bothered me is a the fact it was raining cats and dogs out, and they're having this meeting outside on the landing pad. <laughs> Just bothered the shit out of like I, didn't I think thought about, about that, that, that so was- much, and it just. More and more I think about it, like, that really bothered me. Like, the only thing I can think of is they knew they were going to kill the entire, like, crew there. So they, like, just wanted to wash the blood away. But that's the <laughs> only thing, like, I had. You know what? You might be right there. Like, the, like you're totally. And, it's, and it's I so just thought about that I as. I don't think about shit like this when I'm watching the movies usually. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. That is problematic. But I do think that you that you zacked the uh, the solution there as you were talking because like that does make sense if you're gonna make a mess. Like we already know stormtrooper installations like they're they're heavy on the white, right? <laughs> so take it outside, <laughs> do some killing outside. Take it outside. But we both know that the only reason why it's outside is so that a sniper can, like, put them in the sights, right? Yeah, and it, it just, that scene was so awkward, it really bothered me. And the fact that she didn't really check to see if he was dead, like, yeah. there, was, there was a few things that really bothered me about that scene. I mean, and then whoa, that, whoa, 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 that, hold on, hold on. 
Uh, let's back that up for a second. She like she didn't check if he was dead. She really didn't get a chance. Like she was traumatized and crawling, crying over him, and then like the guy, like uh, is it Cassio? Is that? not Cassio Cassius like he fucking grabs her and like pulls her off and she's like no no and like trying to get back to him and he like he literally pulls her off and says like we don't have time for this we gotta go so she it's not like she can go back and check on him like she's being physically restrained from going back and checking on him (laughs) so I will say I will say (laughs) that little plow is not there but you're totally right about the rain thing like that is it does seem like there's better places you can go, especially if you're like a director wearing all white <laughs> and yeah. wearing a cape. I would imagine a cape is just going to cling to you in the rain. Well, it's funny because the opening sequence where uh, Krennic is talking with Jin's father, like the wind is like really whipping up and it's like plastered his cape up against him and flapping in the breeze. (laughs) I thought that was a really funny look. Yeah. Because he's trying to be all menacing and his cape's just being a little bitch about him. (laughs) Yeah, see, this is where you take a page from like Warner Brothers and you just CGI the fucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I will be honest, I appreciate that they went with that and didn't CGI the fuck out of it. They really didn't CGI the fuck out of this movie, except for with a couple of characters, which this is probably good an opportunity to talk about this as any, right? Yeah. Okay, so we had a couple of characters CGI'd. Of course, at the end, we had Princess Leia, which was pretty cool because a very quick scene at the end, like they hand off the Battlestar plans to her. Boom. Yeah. Like, we're done. We get her, like, delivering the, they ask her what it is, and she says, Hope. And uh, so you you get your hopeful end of the movie, um, which probably sort of plays into the fact that it's not super depressing to watch when everybody dies, right? Yeah, because you immediately at least it, you know you, what was good about watching it. And everybody dies, but they died for something that was important. They died for something that was important. They also like set up. A movie that we all know how it goes and we all know it goes well and that they accomplish their mission, right? Yeah. So, like, I like how it dovetails, like, to seconds before (laughs) A New Hope starts, right? Like, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to do. So, going to the other side of the CGI, the other character with Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes. We got things to say about this for sure. You know, I. It was funny because the first time I watched it, because I knew it was CGI, but it wasn't one of those things that was. On first watch, was that off? But revisiting it was way off. You know, it's so funny you say that because I had the exact same experience and I got to say it's the exact same experience I had with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, when he was in, in uh, uh, Civil War. Yes. Yeah, that was Civil War, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, exact same experiences. Like, it was the first time I sat through it. It was super fucking cool to see. And I was like, that's really amazing. Same with Ant-Man too with Michael Douglas. They did. That's the first time I remember seeing him do that. But 
the first time I sat through and I was like, wow, that's really amazing. That's cool that they do it. And then the second time I walk, I watch it, it's like, he looks a little bit like a video game. <laughs> yeah, he looks like basically his character in Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars Clone Wars. I don't know if he's in that or not, but... Oh, yeah, he's definitely in that. Yeah, I've watched some Star Wars Clone Wars. Um, he's definitely in that, yeah. But, um... <laughs> hold on. Shut up, dogs. Anyway, so... It's, like, I really enjoyed that they brought the character back. I think the technology's got a little ways to go still. Because yeah. that is something that's going to stick out for me now. And I hope watching it on a smaller TV... It won't stick out like a sore thumb because I don't know if I'm going to get to watch it in the theater again. Like, I would. I would go, <laughs> totally go see it a third time. I just don't have the money to go see it a third time. Yeah. And if I do get the money for a movie, I'm probably going to go see Arrival or Passengers just because, you know, like these are movies that I also want to see. Yeah. Uh, and I got to see Rogue One twice, so it's like I'm not going to push it and see it a third time. Like, Force Awakens, I had tons of disposable income. So I saw that shit four times. <laughs> and I saw everything else that was out that I wanted to see, too. But uh, I digressed here. So Grand Moff Tarkin, it was fun to see him there again. It was fun to see the pissing match between him and Krennic. Yeah. I you know, I, the CGI aside, I really liked him in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he really brought the evil in. <laughs> And once again, like first first showing, we were both very satisfied, right? Like on the first time. Yeah. It's when you start looking for the cracks the second time, you're like, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, uh, which is a little problematic with the Star Wars movie because, of course, every Star Wars, like hardcore Star Wars fan is going to watch it like 30 to 40 times. We even saw the prequels multiple times and they're fucking terrible. So. You know, there is that. Yeah. But uh, uh, let, let's move on. Um, we saw Bail Organa on it, who is in Revenge of the Sith. So we're talking Jimmy Smiths. Yeah. Right away, I got an uneasy feeling in my stomach that we were the only people watching Rogue One across the United States because Jimmy Smiths has has sort of a track record of like showing up and stuff and then that stuff not doing well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But... He fucking nailed it. And I was happy to see him. Like, when I saw that, I got excited, which I didn't think I would ever get excited for somebody <laughs> from the prequels being in the movies. But I was I was very happy. That you he know, was he was that. a good tie-in. Yeah, it, like, it worked organically with it. And, like, I was happy to see Jimmy Smith's there. You know, like, Kevin Smith was saying something about, like, come on, Jimmy, it's not your fault. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is sort of apt. Like, you can't punish the people who are in the prequels for being in the prequels. Like, they were totally like, I'm going to be in a Star Wars movie and get paid tons of money? Fuck yeah, you know? Um, Although, one of the things, like, and I was reading an article that kind of pointed this out. So, I won't take total credit for this. Um, That was one of the things that there was some problems between the prequels and the new trilogy where this is bridging bridging the gap because <clears throat> if you look go from uh ewan mcgregor in revenge of the sith to alec guinness in uh, a new hope and you go from jimmy smith's 
in um, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith to Rogue One, which is just minutes before uh, New Hope. There's a the age difference doesn't line up. See, I don't visually. Agree. I don't agree with this. Um, I, I don't agree with this for a couple of reasons. I'll lay out really quick. First off, with Ewan McGregor. I remember us talking on the podcast that didn't exist yet. It was just our conversations before <laughs> podcasts existed. <laughs> uh, walking out of and being like, wow, he kind of strikes like Obi-Wan. Like, that's kind of cool. I do feel like they can put enough makeup on him and, like, old man stuff to make him line up enough where we're fine with it. Like, everybody understands Alec Guinness is dead. Everybody understands you and McGregor played, played him before. I'm fine with that. So I'm just going to No, I'm, I'm just that. saying like the age difference in the same timeline. Oh. So like the age, the gap of time between Revenge of the Sith and now, when you go from the oldest looking Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness, and Jimmy Smith looks two years older. But see, Jim, like however Jimmy Smith looks though, like Revenge of the Sith was like... 19 years before... Rogue One. No, it's 15, dude. It's 15 years. I was just reading this. It's between Revenge of the Sith and... Uh, or maybe it is 19. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It's supposed to be 19 years. So, Jimmy Smith was like, what? 2000... Like, Revenge of the Sith was like... Okay, there was like... Was there two years between each one? The prequels? That sounds I think there was. Right. So, it was like 03... That like Sith came out. That was like thirteen years ago. Like Jimmy Smith is just naturally aged thirteen years, so yeah. it's like a, th- you know. See, he looks like, like a, he like looks like he's aged right. Yeah, it's a in six that year time. difference. Who cares? But if you age you and McGregor thirteen years, he doesn't look like Alec Guinness. Is what I'm saying. No, I hear that, but once again, they're gonna put makeup on or something on him anyway because. If you look at at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, he's already playing way older than he actually was. Right. So it's like, I I don't know. I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying it's not quite right. There, There's two things like that difference. And then there's a tonal shift in Darth Vader's um, voice. Not his voice so much, but just his kick acidness <laughs> as a only way that I can think of to put it off the top of my head. All right. Cause well, let's not, yeah, let's not even like that. We've been teasing this out long enough. Like that Vader scene is fucking amazing. Like so the first time we see him, he's in a Bacta tank, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sort of clearing out and yeah. So, so we get, get old this, crusty you get a shout a shadow of what he is underneath right and then the next time you see him it's like he's talking to krennic and he starts to force choke him and says don't choke on your ambition which was aspirations like, or politi- don't choke on your aspirations yeah anyway and then so like and then the third time is fucking maybe the best scene in a star wars movie period like, like am he I is a badass this? in that scene. Like, am I overselling it? Like, I feel like that Vader scene was probably the best scene I've seen in a Star Wars movie. You know, that is probably the darkest Vader we've seen. 
Okay. Definitely. But you're walking you're walking away from this. Where do you think it so, could rank up as one of the great scenes? Because I'm gonna just straight up say it is the greatest scene in a Star Wars movie. It is incredible. He's like force choking people and throwing them up on the roof and fucking slashing through people and like like dot or like using the the lightsaber to fucking you know like blast away the like just blasting people back with their own blasters. It's fucking cool, dude. I love it. I absolutely. I'm love just it. saying there's a big disconnect between that and the first scene we've seen Darth Vader in A New Hope. Like when he's fighting Obi-Wan? Yeah. No, not even that. When he, because when he boards the Tankative 4 in A New Hope, there's all the the same basic people that are fighting him, and he's not tearing apart people and force choking him and throwing him against the ceiling. He doesn't the have to. But he doesn't do it. But he's basically just walking through at that point. No, but okay. So I would say the circumstances are somewhat different at that point, right? Because we're talking a few minutes difference in terms of the timeline, right? So like he's just trying to get to that data disc and stop it from getting out, right? And it gets out. It gets to Princess Leia, right? So then at the beginning of New Hope, they board <laughs> Princess Leia's ship. But he doesn't have to do shit because now like he had to get in his ship. He had to like board the other ship. He's got stormtroopers galore, so they just fucking go ahead of him and they take care of business. Like stormtrooper is one of the few times that they can hit people. <laughs> like they actually like blow away the rebels pretty fast, right? And all he has to do is just walk through the fucking door. Like he doesn't have to do shit. That's the thing. He doesn't have to do anything. Like he's a Sith. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody on either side, right? Like but I'm why just... should he? <laughs> he's Darth Vader he's like in charge of all of them but But he was tearing through rebels in uh, Rogue One and just not the same in A New Hope but that's my point and he's still trying to do the same thing but that's my point he doesn't have right but once again like he goes onto that ship and he's like right there and he's trying to stop the disc like right there the disc already got out when he's in a, A New Hope like, it's already gotten out, it's on the ship, and he's got stormtroopers with him because he was with the ship. Like, of course he's going to send the stormtroopers out ahead of time because if you send, like, 30 troops out ahead of you, they're going to get business done way quicker than, like, him just force choking and, like, deflecting beams and stuff because, like, that takes a little bit of time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, and why is he going to risk his neck when he doesn't have to? Like, he's fucking in charge of all these people. So I hear what you're saying in the disparency, like the discrepancy of like awesomeness between those scenes. But it's like, like, I'm going to be honest. If, if I was Vader and I knew that I could just throw out like some pawns ahead of me instead of like take even the slightest chance, I'm throwing out the pawns, dude. <laughs> Like, if I'm an evil Sith Lord, like, I'm throwing out the pawns ahead of me. Because what the fuck is the good of, like, ruling the galaxy if you can't, like, just throw people ahead of your I will say, you know what's funny? Because when you're saying this, I just thought of uh, the one good part I think of in uh, X3, X-Men 3, where uh, Magneto says, always send the pawns first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they love the chess metaphors in those X-Men movies. <laughs> it's always him and Xavier playing chess. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay, so so there was that. We had we had a couple other Star Wars cameos too, um, or from like other Star Wars. So movies. Uh, wanted to step back a second to uh, Saul Guerrero. Yes. Um, it was just announced today that Force Whitaker is going to be in for our Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, a two-part series airing January seventh. He'll be in more too if if Force Whitaker he's, wants to do it. Like he'll be in more. He's contracted for these two at least. So. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like I'm I'm saying it straight up right now. Like if Forrest Whitaker wants to do more, he'll do more. Like he went through and watched the Clone War episodes that he was in. And then I read a thing that said like he actually like sat through the entire run of the series so he could have a full understanding of what happened with the history from there because that's really the only Star Wars thing that exists in canon right now is like a lot of that like that Clone Wars stuff they intentionally kept Clone Wars in canon so um, he like went through all that so if he's gonna go to all that trouble. You know, to like watch the six episodes that his character was in, and then also just like decide, like I'm just gonna watch all seven years of the show, or however, however long it was. Like that dude's, he's gonna do some episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like I think he's all in on being a Star Wars character. You know, like I think he realizes like just the fact that he did this movie, he's gonna be on an action figure. Like there's gonna be merch of him selling for. Time to come. And when when did he ever get that before? Like that's <laughs> no idiot mean action no. figures. <laughs> no idiot mean action figures. No action figures of the dude from Fast Times at Ridgemont High who like <laughs> rips who a finds, car. Yeah, who finds finds out that his car is like destroyed and just like like goes and destroys the other school. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he never played that role where he got an action figure, so that's got to be pretty exciting for him. No ghost dog action figures that I'm aware of. No, not, I can't think of any. Yeah, so this is a big deal for Forrest Whitaker, and I don't blame him, dude. And he's going to walk down the street, and people are going to be like, do the voice, and he'll be like, what voice is that? And they're going to be like, oh, like super excited. So, you know, good on you, Forrest. <laughs> Um, but there's other characters too. There's a, and I don't know the names of them because my computer decided to quit again. Because for some reason, motherfucker is like trying to reset itself on Tuesday nights. It's the one fucking night I use the laptop. <laughs> it's the only night. But um, I digress. Damn you, gonna, Microsoft. Yeah, I'm gonna breathe. But um. We had the two characters from the Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah, right? that was... I don't like you. He doesn't like you either. Like, I had a problem with that a little bit, too. Oh, come on. It, wasn't, like it wasn't that they were there. The problem was is a couple minutes after they show up on screen, the planet or that city is destroyed. Yeah. Um, I already thought about that. Like, they're on Jeddah, which is clearly... Like has ships going in and out constantly, and they're over by where they landed their ship, so they're clearly like in an airport kind of zone. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go a little bit further. Like some people might have a problem that they're on another planet, you know, um, not on the planet that they're in. See, that didn't bother me, but that's fine because he's wanted in twelve galaxies, you know. <laughs> that's what he lets us know in Star Wars. So. <laughs> 
I want a side movie of these two guys. Like, just have <laughs> just have that guy shit talking everybody he runs into, and then having his little testicle chin friend <laughs> <laughs> backing him up and saying indecipherable things. I love it. Let's make this a show like Rebels, but let's put it on HBO late at night. <laughs> <laughs> we can really see how he uses his chin. <laughs> uh, I think you'll want Cinemax for that. Yeah. All that I'm saying is gonads aren't always in the same spot. Like it's ridiculous to think that every single of bald alien gonads. Yeah, he's a bald chinny. I like that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I stole that from Men in Black. Yeah, fuck that movie. That's not great anymore. I like it. <laughs> Uh, let's see who else do we have r2d2 and c3po had a little cameo which is funny because the first time i saw it for just okay this is funny for like one minute i nodded off in the theater the first time i went because as i explained jumped through a bunch of hoops super tired up for a long time and uh and so i missed the r2d2 c3po cameo and I like everybody like sort of made a noise in the audience and I looked up and didn't catch it in time. So I just had no idea what I missed. And I was talking with my wife later and I'm like, yeah, I was like, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Because I was trying to like hype her up for the movie. She's like C-3PO and I'm like, oh, he's not in this. And then like later I read, oh, he totally is in it. That must have been the part I nodded off at. So I said... Sorry, I was wrong. C-3PO is in this. I just nodded off for a second. And she's like, you fell asleep in the movie that you paid all this money for? I was like, it was just for a minute. Is that a big deal? <laughs> so we go to see it the second time, right? And like, I at certain times, I'm like looking over at my family to see how they're reacting at certain parts. So C-3PO comes on the screen and I look over at my wife and she's fucking asleep dude <laughs> she like fell asleep for like a minute and i was just about to say something and then she woke up right when he was off screen so when we were driving home i was like so uh you gave me a bunch of crap about falling asleep during the c3po scene which you did that exact same thing <laughs> she was like it was just for a minute i'm like yeah i know <laughs> like same with me and you did the exact same thing so that well, was, it was fun. funny because i was um talking about the scene where uh Jin's father dies mm-hmm. and it bugged me so much the first time and like I'd started doing the heavy eye thing and like my blood sugar's dropping so I'm like I need to go get some candy I'm like oh he's about to die nah it's a good time to go get some candy <laughs> yeah just go out on the part that bothers you <laughs> should have asked dude I had like a tankard of soda <laughs> that went and <sighs> refilled so yeah, I probably want some hard candy or something. I needed something. I need more carbs. Yeah. Although a tanker to sugar water will do that. But R2-D2 and C-3PO still in every single Star Wars movie now. So that's they're in all nine of them. Including the Ewoks movie. No, <laughs> it wasn't including the Ewoks movie. They're not in that. That's a TV movie. <coughs> Doesn't count. I'm talking theatrical releases. Once again, the Clone Wars, like what's considered the first episode on Netflix now, was in the movie theaters. Like it was an actual theatrical release. So, um, yeah. So they were in that one too. <laughs> All nine of them. 
I love it. It's just like that for me is what Batman the movie is also for me to the Batman franchise. Like I always talk about all the Batman movies and like people don't want to like accept that Adam West Batman was on the theater screen, but he was like Batman the movie was a thing. They did one year of the show and then did the movie and then did two more years of the show. So whatever. And we got shark repellent. Yeah, and we got shark repellent. That's right. <laughs> Was there any characters we're, we're forgetting? I know I'm forgetting some because I can't look at my laptop, but I swear there was at least one more. Why did we get like a look-alike Admiral Akbar? Like I realized that that character dies, so they like couldn't use Admiral Akbar for that scene. But it's like, but it's you... a race of people, I guess. I guess, but he's in the exact same position that Admiral Akbar is in, where he's just like. Boom, boom, go over to the sector. Like, what's going on down there? Yeah, like he's doing the same things except for pointing out traps because only Admiral Akbar is good enough to be able to point out traps. But, yeah, so we got like lookalike Admiral Akbar. There's one character whose name I can't pull, but he's at like the scene where they get medals and, and a new hope. And he was one of the ones who like doubts Jen Urso. <laughs> so that's another deep cut. He's in a lot of cartoons and stuff because it's Star Wars. So they just uh, take one little character as two seconds and they just spin him off into a whole life. Well, we had the only other woman in the original trilogy. I can't think of her name. Oh, Moan, Moth, uh, Moan Mothma? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Thrilled to see her. Same actress who played her in the prequels, too. That was another prequel uh, thing. I remember watching Rogue One and being like, oh, wow. Like, they got somebody that looked exactly like the one in Star Wars. And I rewatched Star Wars and realized she didn't totally look like her. And then later I read she's in the prequels and I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I thought it looked just like her. I was just like, my mind was connecting to the wrong Star Wars movies. So she looks enough like her, you know. But yeah, Moan Mothma. Yeah, she was there. I think we're done. (laughs) (laughs) When we do like Moan Mothma and just like silence, we've run out of shit to say. I'm sure we'll talk about Rogue One in the future, but dude, we did almost an hour. I think we did do a solid hour on Rogue One, so... That's a pretty solid hour. That's a pretty solid hour, dude. Good movie. Do you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally check it out. I actually thought it was a better movie than The Force Awakens. I do too. I didn't get as excited watching it, but that's only because I didn't have all those years of buildup waiting for another Star Wars movie. Yeah. But like, I, when I stepped back and look at it, thought it was a better movie. Uh, how do you rank it with all the Star Wars movies? Uh... Number two. Number two. So Empire number one? Yeah. Nice. Very nice. So I'm going to go Empire, Jedi, Rogue One, A New Hope, Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. <laughs> that's my order. <laughs> I actually thought about this for a while. So it's that's an accomplishment, dude. It broke into the original trilogy. I wasn't sure if Disney was going to be able to do it. But it like wedged itself between Jedi and Star Wars. Yes, I like Jedi more than Star Wars. Come at me, bro. You mean a new hope? <laughs> right, a new hope. No, I meant Star Wars. 
<laughs> it was Star Wars when I was a kid, and it's Star Wars now, damn it. That's right. We can differentiate when we're talking about many titles, but it was still Star Wars. It was Star Wars for a long time. That's right. All right, take it easy. It's a trap. No, it's not. Boom. It might have been a trap. I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A Not Safe for Network podcast. You take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege mm-hmm. of experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache, because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not right, and the characters pick up on it right away and they lock him away. (laughs) You know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache, and when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, yeah, I'd be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have given that punching bag salmonella well every now and then it's insightful find us on itunes